Hey, what is up, everybody out there in the podcast universe? If you're joining us today, you'll have myself, Chad the Mark, with Canadian Biggie and Mr. Brown as we recap the wild card weekend in the NFL. We talked a little bit about the national championship game and then made a plea for a certain quarterback to put his transfer papers in because we already know where his next destination is. This is the We Don't Know Sports Podcast. Hey, everybody, don't forget to follow along and like us on your favorite social media platforms. If you're a Facebook fan, just search for We Don't Know Sports, the podcast. If Twitter is more your thing, you can find our handle at We Don't Sports. You can go old school and drop us a line through our email box. The address there is we don't know sports at yahoo.com. This podcast is hosted by the company SoundCloud and is available on Google Play and iTunes, Apple Podcasts everywhere. Please be sure to subscribe to get notifications whenever new episodes are available. I have been waiting all week to talk to you clowns about the wild card weekend, especially you, Mr. Brown. Because your Super Bowl pick is done. The Nick Foles Philly magic is alive and well. And all I've got to say to both of you is I told you so. Philly moves on. They moved on with a double doink. I wouldn't be too confident in that pick there, Chad. I don't care how it happens. I'm just letting you know they moved on. Mr. Brown, your pick is done. I mean, I, I don't know how it continues to happen. I'm at the point now where, like, you know, screw it. He's going to beat the Saints. I mean, I, I, I don't understand. I don't. I'm, I'm just – I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I, I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl. I legitimately might change that pick because I'm so bought in on the Nick Foles magic. It's you – know, you know, here's the thing. What people don't remember – Nick Foles was a cast off. Everybody was giving up on him. And then, you know, he resurrected his career last year. But do you remember why he was a cast off? Where did he go after he was in Philly? He went to the purgatory of uh, Jeff Fisher quarterbacks. Exactly. Jeff Fisher killed his career. And it took him some time to get back from out under Jeff Fisher's oppressive style quarterback coaching. But now he's back and he's winning Super Bowls for Philadelphia. <laughs> oh telling you if he started the whole season for the Eagles they wouldn't make the playoffs but for whatever reason you plug him in when Wentz gets hurt the playoffs are right there to take and he he does everything he possibly can to take it and then he makes a run in the playoffs but if you start him all year this wouldn't happen I'm you know telling you, I hear he's the best backup in the league and that's it I hear what you're saying, but I can't I can't validate that because we just haven't seen it. You know, maybe it is a good small sample size, and that's why he looks so sexy in that <laughs> uniform, throwing touchdowns and winning and bringing on titles to the Eagles of all teams. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if he starts all season or not. They they got to get rid of Wentz now. There's no way they can hang on to to both of them. How can you get rid of the guy that's going to deliver you two Super Bowls? I'm telling you now, it's probably going to happen. He's not even close to as talented as Wentz is. There's like every team in the league, minus three or four with really good young quarterbacks, would take Wentz right now. For a guy that can't stay on the field? What is it with the Eagles that when Wentz, the superior talented guy, is out there, he goes out, Foles comes in, and the rest of the team plays harder or something. It's like, I don't get it. I mean, even last year, they were rolling really well on offense before Wentz went down, Foles came in. This year, Wentz out there playing hurt. They're six and seven. He goes down. Here comes 
magic man folds and all of a sudden they can't lose. You look at the Chicago game, you got Trubisky, you got the Bears who don't know if they're going to give it to Cohen or they're going to give it to Howard. So the offense for the Bears scared me, okay? But I thought they would absolutely destroy Foles. That defense was going to kill him. It didn't happen. Offense for Chicago stuttered. They kept him in the game. It was a close game. It came down to a field goal, which we all know the result of that. But there is no possible way Nick Foles can keep up with Drew Brees in the dome. He can't do it. He don't have enough firepower. And the defense, the Eagles cannot contain Drew Brees and all of his weapons. So I'm saying it now. He's done. His magic's running out this weekend. All right. Well, regardless, going back to the game, you know, it was a great defensive game, both sides. I mean, do, what about what did you think about that play that was a? It was ruled incomplete. Then it was ruled a fumble, and then a then the referee's explanation was just like, after further review, it's um, third down. And you wonder why everybody hates the refs when they're in the booth talking about it and. This should be a catch, and there was no clear recovery, so it'll be their ball at whatever the five-yard line. The official comes out and stutters all over himself, and people wonder why the officials are hated and why they think there's conspiracy theories. It's because of stuff like that right there. I mean, they're clearly just making it up as they went, man. It, it was just a terrible call. Like They don't even know what they're doing, so I understand why everybody's pissed off because it was quite obvious. They were just going along with whatever they felt. Was, I mean, it was crazy. Well, no one recovered the ball, so they just said, we're just going to wing it. But they said that's what the rule apparently is. I mean, you know, They're you, out of you, you two of all people know what it's like to find obscure rules that come out of nowhere in the playoffs. <laughs> as long as they enforce them correctly, I'm okay with it. So, I mean, what is the right call there? I mean, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to give, you know, Chicago the ball at the 10 or 15-yard line, wherever the catch was, or – you know, I mean, you don't just magically give it to the other team, even though it was clear if it was ruled a fumble that, you know, Philly would have recovered it. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, how do you even fix that call? You screwed it up on the field. Now there's no way to make it better. Yeah, see, it is almost impossible to fix that call because it was wrong from the start. But the official comes over, the loudspeaker there to tell it, just give it to me firm. This is what it is. This is what I called next play. Not that I, uh, uh, that's like those funny commercials where you slept in the wrong hotel or something. I mean, at least when the tuck rule was called, it was a clear, correct interpretation of the rules. You're, you're out of your damn mind. I don't want to get into that right now. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to get into it either. And he is out of his damn mind. The uh, the one thing I'll, I'll say is I, I think if you if you honestly don't know what you're doing in that situation, worst case maybe you do just go back to what you called on the field, and that's that's ultimately in, what ended up happening. So Chicago still ended up getting three points out of that drive, so it wasn't like the end of the world there. Philly they couldn't stop Allen Robinson. Trubisky threw did he throw for over three hundred yards? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't believe so. I mean he was he was close to it at least. I know that much. But I think Allen Robinson had like over 120 yards receiving. He went off. But at the end of the day, what it came down to was fourth and goal. Philly's got the ball. They were able to punch it in. They are able to get that Nick Foles magic, and that's why they're moving on. And, and I don't know how many carries Cohen had out of the backfield, but it sure didn't seem like it was more than three or four. He had one carry. Yeah, everything else is on like little swing passes and crap, right? 
That's out of control. No wonder you lost. You deserve to lose. <laughs> One carry and three receptions. So that that's ridiculous. So does the kicker, does he uh, deserve death threats? I would say no because they've, they've since ruled that it was partially blocked. So give the guy a break. But he's missed a ton before that. And since they cut Robbie Gold because they didn't want to pay him, he's only missed three in the whole time since he's been away from the Bears. So, <laughs> I mean, probably should have kept Robbie Gold. My my favorite thing is as soon as you talk to a Bears fan, immediately their defense of after it got you know tipped or blocked. Well, you know he should have kicked it higher. That's what he's paid to do is to not get it blocked. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that uh, death threats is above and beyond what it comes down to. I mean, it's a a football game regardless of how you look at it. I don't know that many people lost their life unless they had a lot of money right now the game. It was blocked, but if you're a Bears fan or a Bears player personnel, you kind of got what you asked for. He had close to 10 kicks, hit the uprights or goalposts throughout the season. You kept him. You play saw defense. You don't have a big-time explosive offense. Go figure the game would come down to a field goal. What blew me away, too, is just it hit the upright. That bounced down and hit hit the um, crossbar, and it was just a matter of which way the ball hit the crossbar, which way it was going to bounce, whether it was going to be good or no good. The suspense, like it, I swear, it felt like it was in slow motion. Oh, you're just sitting there watching. It you're trying to judge it to see is it in front or behind the crossbar. And yeah, it's uh, it, you know, and it's just as likely it goes through. I've seen it happen the other way. It just, you know. Nick Foles just happened to be in the stadium, so it didn't happen. <laughs> you and Nick Foles have to train waiting to derail. I'm going to ride it till it does. All right. How about Chargers-Ravens? Did you watch that game or at least the fourth quarter? Caught most of the second half, and a lot of the things that people have talked about during the season for Lamar Jackson's ability to quarterback kind of came true in that game where uh, the game's tight, they're able to run the ball, keep it close you're going to win games with. And once you get down two or three scores and he just has to fire from out of the pocket, he's going to struggle more. If the Chargers wouldn't have hit a couple of bonehead plays defensively, it should have ended about 23 to 10, not down to the wire like it did. I mean, I watched the first half. I didn't watch much of the second half because it looked like it was out of reach at that point. I mean, to me, it looked like the Chargers were really – they were very conservative in their play calling. I mean, you got Phillip Rivers, you got Melvin Gordon – got Keenan out and he got all these weapons. They're being very conservative on offense and it was kind of just playing for the field goal or whatever, just waiting for their defense to expose Lamar Jackson, which they kind of did that first half. And they were just wanting to capitalize on his mistakes, which they did. But I feel like they, if they'd have been aggressive in their play calling, they could have really put it away and they wouldn't have been it would have been over in the first half. Well, but then you wouldn't have got the franchise record for field goals made in a game with, uh, or at least a playoff game. He had five field goals. The one thing I really want to know, though, is how you feel about the fans turning on Lamar Jackson because in the in the fourth quarter, well, even in the third quarter, they're booing. Uh, you can say they're booing the play calling, or they're booing they're booing Lamar Jackson. They want Joe Flacco in there. So there's a. Uh... Defensive back for the Ravens. I think his name is Jimmy Smith. And uh, they were actually talking about it. One of the sideline reporters during the game in the fourth quarter, there was a bunch of fans behind the Ravens bench calling for Joe Flacco. And he went over there and 
hey, we got here with Lamar Jackson, get off him, that kind of thing, sticking up for his teammate, which I like. To me, you got that far with the way you played with Lamar Jackson, running the ball, playing really good defense. He lost one start in six or seven games, got you into the playoffs, ride through him, let him grow. He's your quarterback of the future. You know, Joe Flacco's gone at the end of the year. Let him fight back a little bit. Those couple late touchdowns up carries him through the offseason. Uh, you understand as a sports fan why they're chanting for Flacco because you're struggling to score. You have a Super Bowl MVP sitting on the bench doing nothing. And his record, you know, in the, in the playoffs is a different quarterback than the regular season. He's just sitting there. And it's, the fans are always like, you know, what have you done for me lately? I mean, we want it right now kind of thing. But, like, I understand, too, sticking with uh, Jackson because he won six of seven games. And if he wasn't playing, they wouldn't even be in the playoff picture anyway. So I understand riding the young kid and uh, seeing what he could do with the, with the adversity. But uh, I also see the fans getting a little restless and saying, look who's sitting right next to you. we got to try to win this game. So would you, would you have put Flacco in? I probably would have because guess what? I mean, you're either going. You're, even if you lose the game, let's say he, let's say he goes on this miraculous charge, and, and they win the game. You think you're going to trade him anyway? You just got raised his draft stock or his trade stock. I mean, so I mean, I think you should try it because at that point it looked pretty uh, bleak that they would even have a chance. It definitely didn't look good, and Flack has been lights out through most of his playoff career. But if I'm Harbaugh and I got my young rookie quarterback in there I'm riding with. I want him to get that experience down the way that they were. If by some chance that last possession, instead of getting the ball stripped out of his hand, they'd have got some crazy touchdown to win the game. They'd have rode so high off of that, whether they lost this weekend or not, it would have been, you know, the future is here now. Look at our next 10 years, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, if he didn't fumble at the end like he fumbled so many times in that game, it might have been a different story. Yep. He's got I, mean, I mean, I beg. I mean, let's be realistic, though. Let's look five years down the road from now. Do you honestly believe that Lamar Jackson is their franchise quarterback? I believe they believe that. I don't <laughs> think Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I wouldn't have drafted Lamar Jackson, period. I think that when he drops back and has to stay inside the pocket, he throws it in hopes. Man, that's the crap I tell people when they tell me they saw a ghost in real life. I believe that you believe you saw that ghost, but you didn't see no ghost, and you ain't seeing <laughs> Lamar Jackson as a franchise quarterback. No. That's kind of why I was like, let's just go with Flacco. Yeah. You know one thing I, I wonder? I don't know if this comes into play or not, but you know how sometimes they talk about uh, a quarterback they can't release him or something like that in the offseason uh, if he's guaranteed for injury or something along those lines. I don't know if that's the case with Flacco, but would that play a factor in being able to put him into the game? I don't think you're thinking about that in that stage. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to win a playoff game, and who knows, you might be able to come back next week and be able to play with Lamar Jackson and do better because, you know, Los Angeles, not San Diego, they, that was the second time they saw them in, what, four weeks? Yeah, right around that three, four weeks. So they were they were ready to see them again. They knew how to they knew how to beat him. You know how it is when you when you're relying on that young, running quarterback 
they they can scheme against you, but that first time you can always catch everybody <laughs> off guard. But once you got film, it's why everybody has those really good first years in those systems. And then by the time you get to the second year, you realize what the limitations are and the teams always are doing so much of a better job preparing for you. Yeah, I think that having just played the Chargers uh, three, four weeks prior made a big difference in how prepared the Chargers were. So we'll see how he grows in the future. The the best thing to me though is it just means we got another another Philip Rivers post game interview, and it means we got him again next week too. True. I like Philip Rivers. I always have. I like his fiery, intense attitude. I know that he comes off as being a little too intense, and there was a part of the game. Where was it a defensive lineman for Baltimore that got injured and they caught some audio of that? <laughs> yeah. That just over the top intensity is what I like about what did he, he said something like, You deserve that or something like that. I can't remember how he said hey, it. Yeah, that's what you get or oh, something yeah. like that. That's what my kids say to each other. That's what you get. That's what you get. <laughs> 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 That's probably why he talks like that. He's, his post-game press conference, he, he talks at the same speed he probably has to talk to at the dinner table with nine kids. And that, that's just how he's going to conduct his business. That's what he's used to. How about T.Y. Hilton rolling into Houston wearing a clown mask and the Colts putting a whooping on Houston? Well, that's the second time in, what, four or five weeks they've went into Houston and won. The fact that they just whooped up on them like that surprised me. I thought that the Colts would win the game, but there was a point there at the end of the first half, less than a minute left, where a Texans defensive back tackles the Colts wide receiver for a like a 20, 25-yard pass interference penalty. If he hadn't, he was wide open for a touchdown. It was going to be 28 nothing at halftime. They just got rolled. I don't know if the Texans were that far overrated for having – one to the division, or if the Colts, Colts have won 10 out of 11 games now rolling into division weekend. I mean, that's just, they've been playing playoff football for two months already. Yeah, I think the Colts, they've had to fight, you know, every single week just to be there. And Lux just, you know, he's been rolling. He won 10 out of 11. They got the running game going. Mike had like 150 yards rushing. So, I mean, they well, established the game. I just think that Andrew Luck came in there and uh, put it on him early, and uh, Watson showed his uh, inexperience and, uh, that's all she wrote. Yeah, it doesn't didn't help that Hopkins was hurt too. But the other thing is, and I, I'm not trying to, you know, bash Houston's offense or anything because Indianapolis's defense is much improved from what we remember the past couple of years. Yeah, well, Watson was their leading rusher, so it's never a good thing typically if uh, you're lead, he's leading in rushing unless you're, uh, you know, Cam Newton. And that, that's still not normally a good thing. It's never a good thing if quarterbacks doing it. You got to have that runner. Unless they like break a couple big runs for like you know fifty yards, that's one thing. But that's that's rare. Uh, the uh, the the big thing I think I saw about their defense was I think their total defense, and I, I'm not looking at it right now, so I don't know for sure, was number eleven in the entire league this year. So I mean that you can essentially say a top ten defense almost. Well, Colts made some nice moves to improve. Drafting uh, Quentin Nelson, he was from Notre Dame, just a nasty nasty offensive lineman that's my second um, second favorite player in the nfl is he 
Is he they all pro or Pro Bowl? One of those two as a rookie? I think he is, but I mean, can a can an offensive lineman win Rookie of the Year? I mean, I know everybody loves Baker Mayfield, but this boy's unreal. Yeah, he's got no shot. I know he's got no <laughs> shot, but he's got. You know what? He's got the best you know, 10 second clip of any football player you can find this year of him doing the primal scream on a pull around tearing down somebody. I can't remember who he hit, but that, that was, oh. a, that was glorious. How far down were the uh, Texans when uh, Hopkins got hurt? Were they already down a good bit? Uh, he got hurt early. I don't remember what the score was. Cause I mean, he, he kept playing. Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. He never, he never completely went out of the game. It's just that you know you, he might take an extra play off here or there, but he stayed in. He just, he just wasn't himself. You could tell. He was more of a decoy because they had that. What's his name? Cootie. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Cootie. He had like uh, eleven receptions, over hundred yards. All right, moving on. Probably the game that I don't mind talking to you guys about, but I, I hate talking to anybody else about because. All of a sudden, they start multiplying and they appear out of everywhere. But the uh, Cowboys, th- this breaking news, this just in, the Cowboys won a playoff game. You know, the most disappointing thing about them winning that playoff game is now I get like another, at least a good solid four years of, how about them Cowboys? They won one playoff game. Ugh. I think it's what, one in 20 years, right? Uh, it's better than that. They, they've actually – I got in this whole argument with the old man who kept telling me that Tony Romo never won a playoff game, and I, I kept having to tell him he was crazy. But uh, it's just the way the, the mainstream media likes to portray Tony Romo sometimes. But Tony Romo won two playoff games, I believe. I remember they beat the Lions in a wild card game, and uh, I don't remember who else they played and beat. I think Tony Romo gets killed because they had a couple of years there where they were real good, had the first round bye, and didn't really show up so well in the divisional playoffs. I mean, in this game, though, I mean, Zeke, man, they just fed him the ball. He, he destroyed him. I mean, he, there was a stat, I don't remember what it was, but they could get him over like 25 carries. They, they're pretty much unbeatable, but he had 137 yards rush and a TD. They got Cooper involved. You know, Prescott didn't like blow up, but he didn't like lose it for him either. He played okay. I mean, the big thing was is like Seattle, they couldn't get the running game going, which has been a problem all year long. They don't really have that guy, but you know, between Penny and Carson, so they couldn't get the running game going. I really thought Seattle would find a way to win like they have all year, and Dallas pulled it out at home. I think Seattle waited about five game minutes too long before they realized that. Oh, yeah, we got Russell Wilson. He can actually throw the ball. Doesn't it seem like that's how it typically goes in a lot of Seattle games where they get into the fourth quarter and then they're like, oh, I guess we'll just, Russell, can you, uh, yeah, go do your your thing here, kind of dug your whole uh, bell us out. I'm going to sit over here and uh, chew gum and clap. I got a better, you know, clap game going than Jason Garrett, so we'll, we'll win here. Just go do it. It was like run, run, pass, run, run, pass. It didn't work for three and a half quarters. And they still almost won. I mean, to, on this one, it was a big surprise for everyone because I'm looking at our, I'm trying to find our poll here. But yeah, it showed 63% went for with the Seahawks, and then Dallas only got 37, and that was 350 votes. So everybody was leaning Seahawks pretty much. I mean, all three of us picked that game wrong. We all three picked Seattle. I mean, I, I thought it was 
Not even going to be close. I kind of picked uh, bias because I hate the Cowboys, but I really thought Seattle would win. Kind of the same thing. I I do hate the Cowboys, and then for me, I'm always waiting for Dak to make the play that loses the game at the end. He didn't. He had a little Randall Cunningham-style moment running there and getting flipped upside down and all that good stuff. It was impressive. Let me, let me ask you this. What was worse, the the kick <laughs> missing the field goal in the Bears game or the awesome onside kick that Seattle did at the end of the game because Janikowski was hurt? To me, it has to be the onside kick because even if it's not something that you're typically used to doing, how do you kick it that far? <laughs> like, come on. Well, I, I didn't get to see the onside kick, so obviously I'm going to default to the field goal, the, the donk and the donk in slow motion mode, so I'll stick with that one. So as an onside kick, is it acceptable for you to kick it straight down the field 35 yards? Typically, no. <laughs> I mean, it was it was fantastic. Who kicked it? Who kicked it? The punter, I, I guess. Or, yeah, the, I don't know what his name is. It wasn't Seabass. Seabass got hurt right at halftime. He pulled his hamstring trying to kick like a 57-yard field goal right before half. So Dixon went uh, and did the kicking duties, which I, he's a really good punter. Um, he tried to drop kick the onside kick. Well, at 30 yards? At least. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was it went so far over everybody's head that the, the one guy that's back deep just in case was like, What's this? I mean, does it surprise you, though, that Seabass got hurt? He's pretty much weighed as much as an O-line now, and he's like 40. And everybody's <laughs> giving him crap for not making that play a couple weeks ago Why he just, like, did the do-si-do out of bounds. Now you know why. He knows his he knows his body. He knows what he can handle. Not a lot. He's got a lot of mileage. A lot uh, of uh, eating contests. What about Seabass uh, being out, so spread was two and a half. Seabass not in at the end of the game, so they had to go for two. So they ended up losing 24-22. Cowboys couldn't cover the spread. And it's all because Seabass tried to kick a long field goal, and he does too many eating competitions, apparently. Kick his ass, Seabass. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what, last thing on that game, did you see the Allen Hearns injury? Oh, God. Oh, oh I can't. Go ahead, Biggie. As, as you guys no, with the injury that I had before, anytime I see somebody have something like Hearns, where it happened live, and I caught that he was down, camera panned away, uh, then they showed the replay of it, and I just got sick to my stomach. I, I mean, the worst part, part for me is it showed him laying on his, on his stomach, and it was face down, and one of the ankles was turned all the way back around facing the air. Yeah, he had, mm. he had toes in the grass and toes pointing to the sky. Oh, it, was, it was disgusting. I almost like screamed like a banshee for Biggie and for him. Uh, <laughs> it was so bad. It was tough. Uh, there, there's been some bad ones this year. I try to block them yep. all out, but, man, they're hard to forget. Ugh. I think he's listed for doubtful next week. Yeah. <laughs> doubtful. All right, so we got Philly. They're, uh, they're going on the road to New Orleans, and uh, then we got – Dallas is going to L.A. to play the Rams. That's your NFC matchups. And then you have Chargers are going on the, the road again, being that East Coast you know, uh, trip again, going out to New England. Phillip Rivers has never beaten Tom Brady, so this, if he's going to do it, this is his chance. And then the Colts are going to go play the Chiefs. So 
So there's your matchup for this coming weekend, and looks like uh, looks like we'll have some pretty good games. I do think it's odd that the uh, Chargers got the East Coast early game again. You, you know why? You know exactly why. <laughs> College football national champions, the Clemson Tigers, put an epic ass whooping on the Alabama Crimson Tide that I don't think anybody saw coming. I think people thought that Clemson had a chance, but that was an absolute massacre. I was blown away. It just amazing. I thought that Alabama would win and not that Clemson didn't have a chance, just that never in a million years would I have expected Alabama in a year where they were unstoppable for most of the year to get embarrassed in the biggest game. Nick Saban's worst loss as Alabama head coach comes in a national championship game. It was it was crazy. You had majority, like it said on our poll, 56% went for Alabama. Thought Alabama was going to win, but I would say nationally, the majority of the country was wanting Clemson to win, and that's what happened. Whatever, you know, obviously Alabama's the the uh, program you love to hate in college football, and, and whether people want to believe it or not, Clemson's right there, you know, 1-8 Alabama now, so... They exposed the man. I mean, this year it was freaking the, the Trevor Lawrence, you know, home or coming out party. The dude went bonkers. He's going to win the Heisman next year. He might go to the XFL. I've heard they don't have an age limit. So he may just go straight to the XFL next year. He's got the look of a wrestler. No, you're right. I mean, but at the end of the day, they showed that they were, they were, they were it, man. I was kind of. They beat Notre Dame the first game, and, you know, you, you don't really think much about it because it's Notre Dame, but then they come out there and put it on them with the pick six, and Tua had two turnovers with the interceptions, and they didn't look back, man, I'm telling you. I, I think it's going to be Alabama-Clemson again next year. So I'm, I'm going to call it like this. This is what happened. This isn't to – I'm not hating on Tua. I've already said before on record that I didn't think he should have won the Heisman. I'm glad he didn't. That's not the point of this. Alabama flat out got outcoached. They they got outcoached at, at how they were trying to score and what Clemson's defense was doing to them. Because it seemed like whenever Alabama wanted to just line up and run the ball up the middle, they could do it pretty much at will. They were getting five and six yards a pop. And that that is how Alabama traditionally imposes their will. They use the big hog mollies up front. They develop that strong running game. Half the running backs get to the NFL, and then they don't have a shelf life anymore because they're used to running the ball 25 times a game in college. So what happened in this game, they got away from that. Tua threw more passes by the start of the uh, uh, third quarter than I think he had all year. And overall, it wasn't bad. I think he was like 15 for 18, and, and two of those were interceptions. So he only had like one or two balls hit the ground. The The problem with that is they wanted to make Tua beat them by throwing the ball, and they would blitz him sporadically. They would get in his face, and every quarterback is going to struggle when you have pressure. It doesn't matter who you are. But they abandoned the run game so early. Like at one point, it was 16-14. to 14. It was a close game. But they completely abandoned what they traditionally do, 
and they went for chucking the ball down the field. And sometimes it would pay off, and sometimes it wouldn't. And then the times it wouldn't, and they would get in those third and long situations, and Clemson would just pin their ears back and go get them. They absolutely did. And I think if they would have stuck to the run game, not saying they would have won, but I think it completely took them out of their element. Like, Tua shouldn't be throwing the ball over 30 times. That's not what he did all year. You know, he was good in his in his picking these moments and, and making big plays, but to all of a sudden try to put him inside of a Texas Tech offense or a, or a Mike Leach offense and tell him to go get it, that's not what they're built to do. I agree. They had success running the ball. There was a point in the third quarter, and to me it was probably the most – telling stat as far as uh, how the game was going for Alabama and how Nick Saban felt about it. They were going for it in that game for the fifth time on fourth down. All season long, they'd gone for it nine times on fourth down. Uh, Of course, one of them that counted as a fourth down attempt was whatever that fake field goal thing was supposed to be. Um, Can't believe we saw something like that out of a Nick Saban team. That was a terrible play. I mean, there was one time they went for a fourth down on their own 35. I mean, that that's not something typical Alabama. Like, I, I don't know. I agree with what you said. But, like, to take it a step further, their leading rusher had nine carries for 59 yards for Alabama. They, they usually run over everybody. I mean, that's still pretty good, nine carries for 54 yards. But where's the rest of the carries? Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's your lead rusher. Why are you not trying to pound, the, pound it in the ground, you know? Change the yeah, tempo. Yeah, six yards. Six yards of carry, and you don't even get double-digit carries. That's insane. That's like a, a freaking Belichick backfield. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No fantasy value there. <laughs> exactly. All right, so as, uh, a, I, uh, as a team, they averaged four yards of carry, but that's including the uh, the four negative plays by, by two. Uh, uh, Jalen Hurts got in for a negative play and then the, the fake field goals. So that all took them – Took them back another 15 yards. So they, they averaged over four yards of carry. You just how the game went out and how it played out. Alabama losing. I could say that. Even if you said, hey, I'll bet you, you know, 10 bucks. Clemson wins by 10 or something like that. But to just completely dismantle Alabama and to have what seemed like the entire Alabama team, Nick Saban, just flustered, not sure what to do. How do we stop these guys? We're not good enough. They're too big. They're too fast. It's just never see that out of Alabama when they do lose it's close games you know they play tight against Georgia or an LSU they they never really get smoked 10 points down to Alabama is getting smoked I mean I I mentioned earlier okay I think that uh, they're the 1A and 1B you know for college football I'll say this starting next year that you know with Dabo Swinney and what they're doing at Clemson I think it's fair to say that Clemson is going to be the 1A, and by next year, Alabama is going to be the 1B because, you know, um, Sweeney's the up-and-coming coach. How much longer does Saban have? I'm not saying he's going to retire next year, even five years, but Sweeney could be there forever, you know, at this point. And, uh, you know, I think Clemson might be the new program, the benchmark, you know, for the country. But, I mean, give Sweeney props, man, because he had uh, Kelly Bryant right there, and he said, you know what? We got Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be my starting quarterback because I think he's going to have a higher ceiling, and that's what he went with. So it paid off. So the the only thing I'll, I'll ask you really quick on that is why is that not the case now? Why is why can't you just say 
Clemson's already overtaken Alabama because they're the ones on the mountaintop at the moment. Yeah, I mean, they are at the moment. But, I mean, you, you ask anybody in the country what program you feel like is the best in the last, you know, five, ten years, and I'd say the majority is going to say Alabama still. I, right I'm going to go ahead and give it to Clemson just because they both they both schools have the same record for their senior classes. They both won 55 games. But Clemson, I think, is still getting better, where Alabama's kind of already peaked. So I, I think – and the fact that they just won the national title, it means if you got the belt, you're the champ. And that's it's going to be that way until somebody knocks them off. The, the thing that's interesting about both of these schools is their abilities to recruit. And Clemson going into Alabama's backyard and taking people, that's hilarious. So I enjoy that. But both of their starting quarterbacks last year are, are going to transfer this year. Jalen Hurts came out. He's, he's – um, going into the transfer protocol. Uh, we already know Kelly Bryant's, you know, gone. How good of a program are you that you can completely do away with your starter, starting quarterbacks at that level that you know you had success with and, com- and, and go turn to these freshman quarterbacks like they did? I mean, Saban did it in the title game last year, but then essentially handed it to him, you know, this year. And then, you know, Trevor Lawrence, I don't care that he's enrolled in school in January, he's still a true freshman. Just think Clemson's got Trevor Lawrence for at least another two years on a team that continues to just produce top end NFL talent. They lost three guys, three starters off their defense declared for the draft uh, right after the championship game or the next day. They're going to continue to find those guys. And then you have a quarterback who's going to go number one in the draft whenever he gets there. Be hard for me to say that. Alabama isn't 1A overall as a program until they have a downfall during the regular season. To lose one game, get your wheels knocked off by a really good team, okay. If Alabama loses two or three games next year, then I'll say we'll ride Clemson for the next duration of time. Alabama's been so good for so long. To me, one game isn't going to say that their run is over. The dynasty's over. They can't win it next year. I'm looking at the body of the work, body of work. So I think that uh, as of right now, I would say Alabama's one A, Clemson's one B. Now I will also say this: that I feel like next year that Clemson will uh, repeat. Um, it'd be crazy if they didn't. So I think it, um, it's it's a changing of the guard, so to speak, um, for sure. I think that Clemson. This could be the point where Clemson overtakes Alabama and don't look back for the next several years, but. On the Jalen Hurts front, you mentioned it for a second. I feel like any Mountaineers fan that's listening and any anybody in Mountaineer Nation needs to blow up Jalen Hurts' Twitter account and praise Pepperoni Rolls and Moonshine because, you know, he needs to make a decision. You know what I'm saying? Let's start a grassroots campaign to bring Jalen Hurts to Morgantown. That's what I'm talking about. Why can't we do that? You're, you're, listening, you're listening to this podcast. We're going to put his Twitter. We'll put it on our Facebook page. We'll, we'll, we'll share it out through the Twitterverse. We'll do everything we can. We're going to spam Jalen Hurts until he commits to come to Morgantown. And I'll tell you what, Alabama don't appreciate him, but we'll make him a god in Morgantown. Jalen, they don't love you in uh, Tuscaloosa. You'll be treated like a football god in Morgantown. Come on up to the north. Amen, Mr. Mark.
You'd be like, can't you tell, brother? I've been eating my vitamins. No, it'd be yeah. something more like belongs this. You know something, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, brother.